Can Nikhil Harry revive his career with the Chicago Bears after being traded by the New England Patriots? All that and more on today's episode of Locked on NFL. You are locked on NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And it's Monday. That means you have me, Kevin Ostriker, the host of Locked On Ravens. And thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. And today's episode of Locked On NFL is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts, and we're back. We're, we're getting so close to training camp. We are so close. I'm I'm super excited for it. I know it's been a long couple of months here. The the summer days where there's not really a ton of free agency action. The draft has passed, but we're getting closer and closer to NFL football. And here today, we are going to be talking about a trade that happened between the New England Patriots and the Chicago Bears. Nikhil Harry being traded from New England to Chicago for a 2024 seventh rounder. Not the biggest move or anything, but we're going to talk about it here today. So in the first segment, we'll dive into a conversation with Mike DeBate of Locked on Patriots about just what went wrong in New England with Nikhil Harry. Then in the second segment, we'll be flipping that and talking with Lauren Cox of Locked on Bears about what he thinks the Bears are acquiring, whether Harry can revive his career in Chicago. Then finally, we'll be talking with Ryan Tracy of Locked on Chiefs about the Orlando Brown Jr. situation and the franchise tag that both sides did not agree upon because the deal that they were supposed to agree upon, or at least people thought they were going to, it never happened. So Brown, they can't negotiate anymore. That window has passed for now. So we'll talk with Ryan Tracy about that, as well as a special locked on list with Bet Online. So we'll talk about all of that, a jam-packed episode. But first, let's dive into our first batch of content with Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots. Joining me now is the host of Locked On Patriots, Mike DeBate, to talk about Nikhil Harry, no longer a Patriot, now in Chicago. Harry was part of that 2019 draft class that featured plenty of really good receivers. DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, and Terry McLaurin, just to name a few of those. But Mike, Nikhil Harry was one of those that just did not pan out. How are you doing today? I'm great, Kevin. Always a pleasure. Always an honor to join you here on Locked On NFL. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is a subject that uh, I've dealt with a lot on my podcast. Uh, been called a Nikhil Harry apologist by several Patriots fans, but uh, that's not going to happen anymore. Uh, Nikhil has a new home in Chicago, and uh, I think it was the best move for both sides. Yeah, Harry getting traded for a 2024 seventh round selection. And so not, not a ton of return, but Mike, mm-hmm. was this something that you did expect overall? Like, was this a move that you thought needed to get done to open up more playing time? Or were you of the mindset that maybe, hey, you know what? There's not going to be a lot that teams are going to want to offer for Harry. Let's just give him another chance here in New England for one year and, and just see what he can do this year. And then if not, they can move on. Yeah, I think this had the handwriting on the wall. And look, this all really started last offseason when um, Nikhil's agent, Jamal Tucson, issued a statement that he wanted the team to pursue trading Nikhil at that time. And believe it or not, heading into 2021 training camp, most people didn't think that Nikhil would be on the roster at the conclusion of training camp, but had a decent preseason, believe it or not, until getting injured. He had a very good camp. A lot of people were seeing a different side of Nikhil Harry, and all of a sudden, it seemed like he may have a chance to become at least 
a fraction of what the Patriots had hoped they were getting when they drafted him first a couple of years ago, but it just didn't end up working out. He suffered the injury during preseason against the Philadelphia Eagles, was out for a little while. By the time he got back into the swing of things, guys like Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, they had already eclipsed him on the depth chart, and it didn't really leave Nikhil too much room to be able to make an impact for the Patriots. So they used him mostly as an inline blocker at that point, which he actually did a pretty good job in that role, but he was not a fa- an offensive factor on the field. Heading into this offseason, you had to realize that the Patriots were going to try to unload him. Heard they were for a while. Ultimately, this was about the best that they could do in terms of getting any type of value back from him. But if the Patriots were looking to hold on to Nikhil, that field, that fate was sealed, I should say, um, for two reasons. One was the acquisition of Devontae Parker, and two was when the Patriots drafted Tyquan Thornton. When those two guys came into the fold, it was almost just redundant to keep Nikhil on the roster. At that point, you either had to cut him loose or you had to trade him because you needed room on the roster for those guys to advance. Uh, And ultimately, I think the Patriots realized that getting a seventh rounder was better than just having to have him cut outright. So Nikhil gets a new home and the Patriots get a roster spot and a little bit of cap space available, a little less than a million freed up uh, in uh, trading Nikhil as opposed to releasing him. Right. Any asset is an asset. So a seventh round pick (laughs) is better than not having anything at all. You're you're completely right. But you mentioned some of those receiving options on the Patriots roster. Now that Harry is gone, Mike, who do you think benefits the most from that from a snap perspective? Because, I mean, Harry, I think there are some guys who could take over whatever snaps he was going to potentially get in 2022. So who do you think benefits from that? Uh, Well, I mean, the easy answer to that question, Kevin, is that it would be Devontae Parker. But that would make it seem like the Patriots essentially traded – Nikhil Harry for Devontae Parker, and that is definitely not the case. Uh, Parker provides the size, he provides the skill set, and the proven resume to be everything that the Patriots wanted in Nikhil Harry. At that point, he's going to be able to now be that force on the perimeter, that red zone threat that they haven't had in the in the uh, the end zone for quite some time. He's much more versatile than Nikhil was, or Nikhil is, I should say, in his game. Devontae can play on the outside. He can switch into the slot. He can be the the, uh, the end zone threat. Nikhil really was very one-dimensional in terms of being able to go up, be a contested catch machine, and then also be a threat downfield if you want to go for a you know quick yardage or try to catch the defense off guard. Nikhil was very good at being able to do that. So Parker will definitely benefit the most from the roster spot, but it's going to be guys like either Christian Wilkerson or Trey Nixon uh, receivers right now that are fighting for some of those final spots on the roster that would have been competing with Nikhil Harry. If the Patriots decided to roll the dice, take their chances, bring him in camp and give him a shot at a roster spot. Those are the guys that would be challenged right now. So that tells me that the Patriots have confidence in either one of two of those guys to get the reps that they need to be able to uh, uh, to fill out a uh, an adequate um, wide receiver core this season in New England. Uh, but guys like Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, those guys are pretty much roster locks at this point. So Nikhil moving on really doesn't benefit them all that much. It's going to be the guys who are fighting for that last spot. Yeah, and like I know that Nikhil Harry was the 32nd selection in that 2019 draft, the very end of that first round. And I know there were a lot of enticing skills that he had coming out of Arizona State, right. but just what what went wrong in New England? Why is this a situation that we're in right now where Harry, before he finishes out his rookie deal, is now traded to another team here? 
Well, there are a couple of reasons for that. The first reason, and I know Patriots fans don't want to acknowledge this, but McKeel was decimated by injury for the better part of the three years that he was here. First two years, knee injuries, some back injuries. There were definitely difficulties that he had staying on the field. Suffered the shoulder injury last year in New England, and that, I think, really set him back an awful lot. And when that happens and you're not on the field either for mandatory practice time in training camp in minicamp, trying to get the feel for the team. And then when you miss this time during the season as well, it's almost impossible for you to recoup that time and be able to make meaningful strides on the field. There was also a logistical fit as well. I think the Patriots looked at Nikhil Harry and said, what do we constantly need out of our offense? Well, we need that big threat, that big red zone target that can go up, make contested catches, maybe make some plays in the open field, be physical with uh, some of the defensive backs that they're facing and be able to withstand that. They had Rob Gronkowski up here for a number of years doing it at the tight end position. I think in a lot of ways they thought that they could maybe transition that to the wide receiver and get some of that production out of Nikhil Harry. Not that he was swapped out for Rob or anything of that nature. Certainly not delusional enough to think that. But I think the Patriots saw him as the possibility of being able to take some of those reps. For whatever reason, it just did not click with Nikhil. Uh, the route running was a difficult problem for him. He wasn't getting open on the perimeter. Um, there was never a situation where he looked to be comfortable with any of his quarterbacks, whether it be Tom Brady, whether it be Cam Newton, or now last year with Mac Jones, just wasn't on the same page. I think a change in scenery is going to benefit Nikhil very nicely. And he's going to a team right now where there aren't a lot of expectations on a wide receiver core. That should allow him a little bit of wiggle room to really kind of show what he can do. Yeah, and now he's off to Chicago. And I think that over there, they don't have a ton of receiving options here. I think we'll have an opportunity over there with the Bears. Mike, what do you think about that fit for Harry in Chicago? I actually think it's a pretty good fit, believe it or not. Look, it's a fresh start with Chicago. they got a young second-year quarterback in Justin Fields who's looking for big targets. When you're a young quarterback, you want to be able to see guys that are going to be open because of their size. Guys that you can put the ball up there, they're going to go up there and they're going to get it because they're going to fight with the defensive back in order to get it. There's no question about it. Nikhil's got the size to do it. 6'4", 225, that size, that strength. I think makes him an effective weapon in short yardage situations, whether it be in a receiver package or even a tight end package. And I think the Chicago Bears are going to utilize him in that fashion as well. Look, at his best, Harry's got the frame to work as a red zone target, an occasional perimeter target if you get into a jam. But I think he's going to move between the X and the, and the Z receiver roles this year. That's going to allow him to make those athletic, those contested catches when they need him. Um, and it's going to take some pressure off of Darnell Mooney and Byron Pringle. Also, he can make some contributions on special teams. So don't be a bit surprised to see him line back up as a punt returner. Last year, when the Patriots were without the services of Gunnar Rachelski, Nikhil did line up there back there for uh, to return punts. So he can do that in Chicago. A lot of different ways he's going to be able to make it. Not a game-breaking acquisition for the Bears, but if they're looking to increase or improve their wide receiver core, uh, they've done so by adding Nikhil Harry. I think he'll be a decent fit there. Yeah, it seems like a solid overall move for both sides. The Patriots moving off of a player that just wasn't working. The Bears getting someone who maybe he can revive his career in Chicago with that team. Like, I appreciate you coming on, though. Thanks so much. Anytime, Kevin. Always my honor and pleasure, bud.
Yeah, it just didn't really work out for Harry in New England. Hopefully he will have better success in Chicago. When we get back, we'll be diving into that with Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears talking about what Chicago is getting in Nikhil Harry. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked On NFL. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Bet Online. And BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball, the MLB draft going on right now. Super exciting. And BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wedging information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. So wherever the website today, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. We're back. Our second segment of Locked On NFL. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still hanging out with you here, of course. And there is a lot of exciting stuff going on because if you were wondering which NFL stars move the betting line the most starting on today, Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Again, available today on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So super exciting. We'll be talking a bit about that with Ryan Tracy in the third segment. But here now, we're going to continue on the Nikhil Harry conversation, talking with Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears about what Chicago is getting with Nikhil Harry. So let's talk about that now. All right, joining me now is the host of Locked On Bears, Lauren Cox, to talk about the Nikhil Harry acquisition for Chicago, setting a 2024 seventh round selection. Not too much given up for Harry. Lauren, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm just happy to have like a transaction in early July. Nothing else happened in the NFL, at least transaction-wise, so it's fun to have something to talk about. Right, and that, that's where I want to start because I want to hear just what your initial thoughts were about this deal. Did you did you expect the Bears to make a move like this? I know there has been a little bit made of the Bears receiving room right now. If there are enough options in there for Justin Fields in a second year, what were your initial thoughts on this Harry trade when it first came out? Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that they wanted to acquire a wide receiver. I was just sort of wondering why why now? You know, they've had all offseason. It's been no secret that Nikhil Harry has been available, and now you know, two weeks before training camp starts or whenever players start getting there, they all of a sudden now is, is either when the Bears up their offer or the Patriots came down. Like the timing was just interesting there. Like they've had all offseason to make this work and it didn't seem like there was any specific deadline or reason to do it now. But hey, they, they add a former first round pick at receiver something. They just need more talent at that spot. And I think giving giving up a future seventh round pick is about as low as you can possibly get for, for risk. And so if he amounts to nothing, fine. And if you can get something out of him, that'd be great. That's probably going to be more than you could get for a future seventh round pick anyway. Right. And Harry, there is a lot of upside, a lot of really nice skills that he had coming out of Arizona state. And what do you think about those Lauren? Where do you think his skill set fits in with this bears offense and, and what almost entices you about him now coming over? Yeah, I think for Chicago, he gives them something they don't quite have in terms of the skill set and the mold of receivers, right? They've they've done a lot of overhauling this year at that position with a lot of unproven guys, which is where a lot of the criticism comes from. But like beyond Darnell Mooney, you know, obviously he can do a lot of different things. But then you've got Byron Pringle as more of like a, a speed guy. They drafted Bayless Jones Jr. in the third round. Again, like fast, explosive with the ball in their hands type. They signed Equinemius St. Brown from the Packers, vertical, over-the-top type of receiver. Nikhil Harry is the only like possession receiver that they've they got a guy who can win contested catches, physical, strong catches when cornerbacks are draped all over him. The problem is that cornerbacks are draped all over him all the time because he can't separate because he's not a very good route runner. And that's why expectations are, are still going to be low for Harry. But it does feel like the Bears, because the Bears don't have 
much else like Harry. They don't have anybody else with that that specific set of tools. It seems like there should be a place for him on the roster, whether that means he's getting significant playing time or just coming in like the red zone for some back shoulder fades or wherever we'll see. But it, it does seem like the opportunity is here. A change of scenery might be the right thing for him. And it, it could be a nice marriage for both sides. Yeah. And what do you feel like a good year from him would be in your eyes, whether stat wise or just overall role wise, where do you think you would say, Hey, this was a successful year for Nikhil Harry when it's all said and done. You know, it's hard. It's hard to put, a number on on for Nikhil because because he was a first round pick it feels like even if he like like his career best in New England was like you know 300 yards or whatever and if the Bears got that out of him it would be great for the Bears I mean I think trading a future seventh round pick for somebody who gives you 300 yards would be a win in the trade 100 but like is that a successful year for Nikhil Harry I mean given that he's a first round pick and those expectations always still kind of come with him I mean I think I think that would be a successful season for everyone involved. A couple hundred yards, you know, a dozen or two catches, and maybe a touchdown in there. Just a rotational, you know, number four, number three ish wide receiver would be, I, I think, a phenomenal fit for the Bears. But even if it's just, you know, even making, I think, the fifty-three man roster through training camp would still feel like to me like a, a trade that was worth it. Yeah, and there is the question of, you know, was this trade worth it for the Bears? Because obviously a 2024 seventh is not giving up a ton to get a player who, you know, could really hit on his upside if everything goes well. But maybe there's a roster spot you could use in place if Harry, like if someone gets cut during final cut down day and the Bears want to sign a guy like that, but they already have Harry on the roster. I mean, so in your eyes, Lauren, you do think this move was overall worth it for the Bears? I I do. I I still think it doesn't solve the wide receiver problem. And that's kind of the other thing that we're, we're waiting for here is like they, they freed up a bunch of salary cap space this off season, like later in the off season now. And Robert Quinn's situation is still up in the air that if he gets traded, that could create more cap space. And so like, there's this need at wide receiver beyond Nikhil Harry. And we're sort of looking around, not that the bears fans would expect them to sign Julio Jones or Odell Beckham. Like those players probably don't fit with where the bears are in the rebuilding process here. But just the fact that they have this money and have, space and have needs for more receivers beyond this trade kind of makes me wonder like what what else is next why hasn't there been more we've been waiting for a a trade or a deal like this to come around it finally comes in Nikhil Harry but once they get into training camp and see the pads on maybe then that's when more moves could follow yep exactly and I also want to talk with you a bit Lauren about Justin Fields obviously second year quarterback super high upside someone who will have some weapons at thirds who I know there's been some criticism of the weapons, but what are you expecting from him now that Harry's in the fold? I know might not be the absolute zero to 100 transition that he would need or that number one wide receiver, but what's the excitement level in Chicago right now for, for Justin Fields? Yeah, the excitement level is definitely higher in Chicago than it seems to be everywhere else because of all the questions of the supporting cast. And I, I do share a lot of those questions about the the supporting cast, but that doesn't mean Fields can't still make progress. And I think that's what Bears fans are looking for this season. Fields does not need to be a 5,000-yard, 35-touchdown guy this season. doesn't need to break out as a top five, top ten quarterback this season. Just show that progress, show that growth, improve in some of the areas where he struggled a little bit as a rookie, but doesn't need to blow the world away because – his offensive line has some real questions. His receivers have some questions and his defense has some questions too. So it's not fair to expect him to make, you know, that like Josh Allen kind of leap, although that was year three, this is year two, but still, you know, that type of monumental step forward, but like slow progress and and not making the same mistakes multiple times is exactly what I think the doctor orders. 
Yeah, I think so, too. And actually, going back to Harry, what's the percentage you put on him making the roster? Is this because the Bears traded for him? It's 100% because they actually gave up an asset to get him? Or is there a chance that if it doesn't work out in training camp, you don't see what you want in the preseason, you might not start the year with Chicago? Yeah, I definitely don't think he's guaranteed a a 53-man roster spot. I I think this trade was the opportunity to see Harry before he gets cut by the Patriots, right? I think they, they saw... I think the Patriots were planning on eventually releasing the kill Harry. And if they release him at the end of training camp, then you have to put him on your 53 man roster to roster him during the season, you know, but if, if you didn't have him in your camp, you might not want to give him that roster spot over somebody else. So this gives the bears the early look at him to be able to say, okay, let's, let's have him in our training camp at our preseason preseason, and then see if he's worth our 53 man roster spot. I do think his odds are better than half, I'd say. I mean, I think you start to like slot out the different receivers. I mean, it's Darnell Mooney at one. Byron Pringle's probably going to be number two. Then the rookie Valus Jones, maybe number three. And then it pretty easily could be Harry there at four with, with Economy St. Brown and, and Tajay Sharp or Dante Pettis are going to be in that depth chart too. David Moore, like there's, there will be competition for him and it's not going to, like I said, like it, it's not so barren that he's guaranteed to get a spot because they just need bodies there. They have a lot of quantity of receivers. He does have to prove enough quality to be one at least the top five that they keep and i think chances are he does but it wouldn't be shocking if he doesn't now and another question would there be another move potentially for chicago at wide receiver or do you see you said a lot of quantity there do you feel like they have enough where they just want to get a look at all these guys see what they have and then figure it out from there or is there that free agent acquisition maybe on the younger side or potentially even another trade that chicago could do to add receivers for justin fields yeah, they currently have 13 wide receivers on the 90-man roster. A lot of them signed as veteran free agents that they want to get a look at. But I still don't think that precludes them from adding more. I really think once they get the pads on at training camp and they see these guys, I can't help but think there's going to be some still desired. They're going to look around and say, yeah, you know, maybe we do need a little bit something else. The problem is, will there be some a free agent out there right now that they think is going to be a massive upgrade over those guys that also fits with them? Like, Again, Julio Jones would be a massive upgrade, but he's not going to come to a team that's not really competing for a Super Bowl this season. So I don't know that there's an option in free agency on the market other than potentially another trade from another team for a guy that could get cut that would bring another wide receiver to Chicago. I would expect an offensive lineman or two, though. Once they see those guys get the pads on, they've already had a couple injuries at that spot, a lot of young players, and I think they're going to notice the deficits on that offensive line and, and bring something in at some point. Yeah, it it all starts up front, in my opinion, for offenses. So I think adding an offensive lineman or two would not hurt Chicago in the slightest. But plenty of receivers. There are no shortage of receivers in Chicago. Nikhil Harry being added to that. Lauren, I appreciate you hopping on here. Thanks so much. Hey, happy to join you anytime. I love having offseason news. Hopefully Harry will be able to revive his career in Chicago. It might not be the biggest move we've ever seen in terms of NFL trades, but maybe it's a solid one where Harry can make the roster, make an impact, earn either a deal with Chicago or a deal somewhere else and continue to just continue to build up his NFL career. Because right now I know being traded for a seventh round pick might not feel the greatest, but if he can capitalize on the opportunity in Chicago, it could be really, really good for him. We still have a ton to talk about here on the show though, coming up next on locked on NFL, we're going to be talking with Ryan Tracy of locked on Chiefs about the Orlando Browns junior situation and that the two sides failed to agree to a deal before the franchise tag deadline expired. So be sure to stay tuned. Still a ton to talk about here on Locked On NFL. First, though, I do want to tell you a bit about Dave. 
And sometimes you look at hindsight and it's 2020 and you can't change the past at all. But what if you could get a little help from your future self? Maybe you'd ask to borrow a little cash, but now you actually can with Dave. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, or catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand from future you. So again, download the Dave app from the app store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. The terms and conditions go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve member FDIC. The future you will thank you. We're back. Our final segment of Locked on NFL. Kevin Ostreicher, your host, still here with you again. Thank you so much for making Locked on NFL your first listen of the day. Be sure to subscribe to this channel on YouTube if you're here to listen in video form. Follow us in audio form wherever you get your podcast. But now let's round out the show with Ryan Tracy of Locked On Chiefs talking about Orlando Brown Jr., the Mitchell Swartz retirement, as well as the list of the top 50 players in terms of moving betting lines by Bet Online. So let's talk about that with Ryan Tracy now. All right, rounding out the show here today to talk some Orlando Brown Jr. as well as Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill is one of the hosts of Locked on Chiefs, Ryan Tracy. And Ryan, the franchise tag deadline, it has passed and Orlando Brown Jr. and the Chiefs somehow did not agree to an extension. How you doing? <laughs> I'm hanging in. Nobody agreed, right? Like the, the yeah. deadline came and went and all four just sitting there just saying, hey, we're we're good with this. Yeah, it's it's crazy, and I know that the Brown Jr. for me was one of the guys who I expected, at least personally, to, to get something done with the Chiefs. Obviously, he is asking for a boatload of money, but you know the Chiefs gave up a ton of draft capital to go out and acquire Orlando Brown Jr. Obviously, a great player, but I mean, how shocked or even not were you that the Chiefs and Brown couldn't get something done here when the franchise tag deadline expired? From sources that I had leading up to the last twenty four hours, they still were optimistic that it would get done. It was the structure. It was not the overall compensation, uh, they ended up, the Chiefs offered him top tackle money, more so than Trent Williams, if you're looking on a, a, a year average. And that was really his goal, is to be able to say that I'm tackle number one. And so I actually thought if they're willing to do that, the Chiefs are notorious for giving top dollar numbers, but leaving themselves out. And it does seem that in the report since then, that it was the structure and the ability for them to get an out at year three that caused the the flummox here that, that caused it not to be done. So I still thought that it was in the works going into the 24 hour mark, but you know, everything can fall apart at the last second. You never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I know for, for Brown, he he's had that goal to be the top paid tackle. And obviously the reason or one of the reasons, the main one he ended up wanting out of Baltimore was because he wanted to play left tackle. And if that was money related or not, I mean, obviously he wants a lot of money, but he's a player that is going to definitely earn this huge contract. But right. I mean, what's next now for the chiefs with Orlando Brown Jr. Obviously they can't negotiate and now they have to kind of wait it out for him. I mean, do you expect something to get done in the future? Obviously you can't do it for a little bit, but what's next for this team in Orlando Brown Jr.? Really it's a waiting game because technically the Chiefs hold all the cards. The franchise is always in the driver's seat at this point because the only thing that the player can do at this point is hold out. And in the end, for a guy coming off of a rookie contract, the only person he hurts is himself if he holds out. Because A, he isn't getting game checks, which he desperately needs because of the tag. Uh, and, and maybe desperate is a, is a 
too far a word, but a guy coming off of a rookie contract that so far has made $6 million, and you're talking about 16 in a season, basically just under a million per game check, not something you want to walk away from. But more importantly, is Orlando Brown is asking for money that is prerequisite of being the top tackle in the game. He's not there on the field. He's within striking distance. And for those who want to say, oh, he's nowhere close, I would defend him and say that I, I feel that he's close to being a top 10 tackle right now. He's playing as a fish out of water last season with the trade and the timing, et cetera. I really am optimistic that if he were in camp on time, that he could earn himself into the top five category in terms of performance and justify this request and these kind of contract needs. The question is, you hurt yourself by staying out and not allowing yourself to develop, to get to that point, because he has to have a good season to show that, to make the contract, whether it's in Kansas City or elsewhere. We'll see what happens after the tag. Yeah, and you kind of transitioned perfectly to my next question because I wanted to ask you what you saw from him on the field last year and kind of were you impressed, were you not? Was it what you were expecting? What did you see out of him last year on the field? You know, it was very much what I was expecting in that he was not prepared to play in this style of offense initially, and it took him a transition period. I thought the last four or five games of the season, including both of the losses against the Bengals, he showed more in terms of being able to be agile. It's not necessarily about speed in his kick step or anything like that, but it is about agility and being able to react to what you're going to get. You're going to get more speed rush in this offense. It's just the way that it is. You're not going to be able to set such a hard spot. You have to be able to be more mobile. And I think his training this offseason has shown that. We saw a lot of footage of him training tennis, uh, you know, doing a lot of agility work for a man his size that combined with his size overall, his weight and his length, if he were to drop just a simple 20, 25 pounds, which for an athlete of that size should be easily done in an offseason, I think it would make him markedly better in terms of agility. And I think it would put him in a, a spot to really set him up in this offense to reach that kind of pinnacle as a top 10, top five type tackle. Yeah, and I know for the rest of the Chiefs offensive line, they did it. The Chiefs did a lot of reshuffling. In fact, a ton of it, including all new guys starting on that line. Yep. And it felt like, they were trying to, again, protect Patrick Mahomes after what we saw in the playoffs a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl, obviously. How did you feel like they did with Brown's fit with the other guys that they brought in on that line? You know, I, I think what it does overall is it gives you, A, you're dropping your total age down a little bit. That's always a plus. But it also gave him a little bit of edge because I think Brown has a tendency, especially when he can play with the leverage that he is used to attaining, he can actually bury players of high quality. It's not just he's beating up on, on backups or something like that. He is able to be uh, aggressive and nasty and still perform as well. They got that also from the center spot with Cree Humphrey and from the right guard spot with Trey Smith. Now with Joe Tooney in there, they're trying to get Lucas Niang back from injury. They're really desperate to try to get him back in the field. What happens without him? It's iffy with Andrew Wiley or the rookie, uh, Darian Kennard, who I think actually has a better shot at playing right tackle than most people are giving him at this point in the season. Either way, this line ends up nastier, more aggressive, and able to move the ball on the ground a little bit better, which will take some of the pressure, I think, off of whoever is playing instead of Orlando Brown, at least for the time being. We'll see when he gets into camp and when he gets onto the field. I don't expect him to miss any games, to tell you the truth, but we'll see just how long it takes. Yeah, and a little bit of a side note here, speaking of the Chiefs and their offensive line, is Mitchell Schwartz, one of those Chiefs offensive linemen from, you know, 
if you want to call it way back in the day, it wasn't really that long ago. <laughs> ended Jesus. up retiring. Yeah, exactly. Ended up retiring. I mean, what do you remember from Schwartz and what, what he brought to the field at Kansas City? My favorite thing about Mitch Schwartz, and we haven't had many conversations, just a couple of things on social media, but uh, he's always been really self-deprecating in a way that is respectful to the game, not just to himself. He was a guy that was not an elite athlete coming out, much like Orlando Brown, right? But his technique and his actual cognition of understanding what's going on and how someone's trying to attack him is what makes him elite. And I think of all things to retire now when the other tackle on the other side is holding out, like it really gives you a, a glimpse of the future of, of what Orlando Brown needs to learn. And that is from somebody like Mitch Schwartz who takes that, that I don't want to say lack of athleticism, but let's call it median athleticism and pump it up by the other things that you can do in, in playing the game smart and playing the game with excellent technique. And that's something that I think will lift Orlando's game as well. The two of them, it, it's separate directions here. Ships passing in the night. It's too bad because I think Mitch Schwartz, if it wasn't for the back injury, would still be playing today. And I think he would still be productive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he was a great player when he was on the field and healthy, but again, obviously the, the injury kind of took away from that a, a little bit, but right. I know that, that we have this list here by bet online and it's based off of which players move the betting lines the most. And there were a couple chiefs on their current and former from 50 to 41. You have both Travis Kelsey and Tyree kill Kelsey, coming in at 41 and Hill at 42. I mean, what do both those guys do for betting lines based off of what, obviously Hill's not there anymore, but based off of what you've seen from them, and do you think that those rankings with Kelsey just a bit above Hill are accurate? You know, I, I think they actually help each other now that they're separate because they don't have to share the field. I think both those ratings are low, to tell you the truth. I, I love the, what you're going to see from Tyreek Hill is a guy that can go everywhere and do everything. And I think that's also complemented by the fact that Jalen Waddles there that can do a lot of similar things as well. Not quite uh, the stop-start athlete, but certainly the long speed. I think you have to argue that he can stretch and take some, some coverage away from Tyreek Hill. I think they'll both end up in the 30s when it's all said and done, sort of overall production. Uh, I like Travis's chances here, but he's got a lot of role players with him. So it will be dependent on, on if we see the defenses around the league try to take Mahomes weapons away and I do think that the high coverages the split coverages were a lot of defenses trying to stop Mahomes decision making not necessarily take Tyree Hill away from him but the recipient of that becomes Travis Kelsey and depending on who else steps up I think Travis is in for a big year so having him just slightly ahead of Tyree Hill and his quarterback situation in Miami I think that's probably a good bet yeah, and if and if you take Kel if you're talking about most valuable players and things with betting lines, if you take Kelsey out of that offense right now without Hill, usually it was like, oh, okay, if one of them is out, the other's still there. They have the other guys. But now with Hill not there, they did bring in others, Juju Smith Schuster, Marcus Valdez Scantling. But if Kelsey comes out of there wondering, can those guys step up and produce? I think they have a lot more depth. You also add in a couple of draft picks. But I think Kelsey, in terms of value to that offense, I think the value skyrockets when you talk about Hill going to Miami. But Ryan, thank you so much for hopping on me. Thank you. Appreciate it. A lot of interesting information there from Ryan. And I feel like with Orlando Brown Jr. Again, such a talented player, but with that deal not being agreed upon, it's now, you know, in the chiefs court in terms of what they want to do. And hopefully the two sides can agree to a deal sooner rather than later. I know there is a bit where they can't negotiate because the deadline's over, but he's a player that the chiefs should obviously be looking to extend Brown wants that money. He wants a lot of money and he's a player that does deserve a lot of money, but just how much he'll get 
does remain to be seen. That's all I have for you here today on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be diving into more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that, and we will see you right back here tomorrow.